Yale Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the other side of faith-based think tank on policy, economics, entertainment, and community. I'm your host, Evan, and I'm here with the coolest co-host this side of heaven, Aaron. <laughs> hey, everybody. Once again, we have emerged to inspire, hope, and advocate and search for solutions to the problems that besiege us. Yes, we hope to serve you, our listener, by using our time here to inspire, educate, motivate, and entertain in such a way that whoever's under the sound of our voices and those of our guests or guests, whether we all agree or disagree with one another, we will find hope, we'll find solutions, we'll find truth, or just plain old reasonable thinking going on. Last time you tuned in, our guest was Dax Crocker, and we had so much fun yes. and such an enlightening discussion with him. We decided to make it into two parts, so we offer part two of our discussion with Dax Crocker on immigration. Enjoy. Is anybody out there besides we're talking about it now, you've seen who's actually having that dialogue in the public space? I, I think that uh, I have heard the CEO of Starbucks okay. have yes. this type of dialogue. Okay, that's great. Starbucks uh, is very coffee, altruistic. Yes. Coffee is not produced in the U.S. Mm -hmm. A lot of coffee comes from other countries. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But how you treat the people who uh, produce the coffee beans that exactly. we drink in Starbucks mm -hmm. uh, has a lot to do with uh, whether we cause more migration or not. Are we willing to pay a little more for our Starbucks? Now, let me ask you this question because was, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, and I'm sure you've been in debates with people about immigration and, and, and DACA. Is there anybody who may be on the opposite side of you who, you who said something, you said, okay, that actually is true. That makes sense. I agree with that. Is anyone who's been on the opposite side, who's made a great point that you think is maybe useful for the debate? Yes. Uh, for example, I, I, I tend to agree with some people who are upset, uh, American citizens, mm -hmm. who are upset because uh, immigrants, and some of them undocumented, are taking their jobs. Mm. I would be upset too. If I, if my family has been in this country for so many generations, and this is my country, and I was born here, and um, I have to either reduce the cost of uh, of uh, the product that I that I that I do, if I'm a, a carpenter mm -hmm. or if I uh, work in construction, and I have to earn less mm -hmm. because I'm competing with an undocumented immigrant who is getting paid under the table. Mm. I would be upset if that was happening to me. Mm -hmm. So many, I agree with them. But how many different kind of jobs do you find? Most, more and more uh, unskilled? Or, well, carpentry is just definitely skilled labor to some degree. But but I'm just curious. Well, I know that's a broad uh, question. There's a lot of ways you can answer that. But. Right. But but the, the majority of people in the United States mm -hmm. don't have a college degree. Mm. There's a lot of people who... Uh, would earn a little more if there weren't undocumented immigrants. Mm. Now, the way to turn that around is to show the, 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 the person who is upset about undocumented immigrants that they have a lot in common 
with undocumented immigrants, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not in opposition to. Mm-hmm. And what they have in common is that both of them are being exploited. Right. Absolutely. And, and both of them are being pinned against each other. Like I've if this is a, a, a game. As soon as the working class realize that we have more in common and uh, more, more interest in common than not, then as soon as we galvanize and come together, then we can uh, affect change in each other's lives. Yeah. Some because of the-, the divisiveness comes from race um, and, and culturally and class. But as soon as we realize we're more alike... <laughs> and it's the big corporations that are actually, like you say, exploiting the worker, whether you be documented or undocumented, that they're the ones who are winning and and winning from us being against each other. Mm-hmm. Then we can turn this thing around. Mm-hmm. Speaking of DACA, because I, I, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Um, and I asked you this before, Dax. Uh, do you feel that and, and because. Like I said, there are other opinions than those just in the room. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that the parents of the kids, of the DACA kids, um, share any responsibility in the predicament of their children? Yes, they, I do. Um, I think that people who broke the law should pay for breaking the law. In what way? Uh, whether monetary or whether having to leave the country or... Um, apologizing to the government for what they did. Okay, so let me stop you there because when we spoke earlier, we spoke of how and why people come here as refugees, being persecuted. Um, I think you brought up, was it El Salvador Mm -hmm. and other places? So Mm -hmm. they come here, Mm -hmm. they bring their four-year-old or their Mm three-year-old or their Mm two-year-old. And so that, that child grows up. But you say that the parents who fled and who came here not documented, came here illegally, should pay or they should yes, have some but, type of... but I think that the penalty that they have to pay or should pay should be proportionate mm-hmm. to their the law that they broke. Okay. Uh, having them pay by expelling them for the co- from the country and away from their families for 10 years... Mm-hmm. It's a death sentence for many of them. Yes. It's a marriage death sentence for mm-hmm. many of them. Absolutely. It's, it's unproportionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't go with the crime. So how do you think that we should? I mean, because what message if we're sending if we let those who come here illegally stay without a consequence of deportation or some consequence? What should the consequence be? I think that uh, the first consequence is that, that we should accept that we broke the law mm-hmm. and apologize. Mm-hmm. That I mean, there's no way to reconcile anybody with uh, the party that you uh, offended mm-hmm. if you don't accept that it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I had to do it. Mm-hmm. The fact that you had to do it doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong. And so we understand. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's apologize. This is not an amnesty. Mm-hmm. Let's call it what it is. We, we broke the law. And, you know, that's actually refreshing to hear because uh, I think that's what's offensive to some people. They sense a, a feeling of entitlement. Mm-hmm. I'm entitled to be here. I don't care that I broke the law. I had to get here, you know. And so that makes Americans who are here illegally, you know, angry. They yeah, see the yeah. entitlement. Mm-hmm. So I love mm-hmm. and, and it's very Christlike what you said. Yeah, I had to do it, but I apologize because I know it was wrong. I know that's not the way to get things done. The system is broken, and we need to look at that, too, but that is an element as well. Right. And I think it's the same if we were to put an example uh, like 
somebody who broke into a pharmacy in the middle of the night. Right. Because their kid was dying or because they needed some type of medication and there was no hospitals mm-hmm. open, there was no pharmacies open. Mm-hmm. Well, you still broke into the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to pay for the window that you broke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to pay for the medication that you took. Mm-hmm. And then we as a society has to ask, have to ask ourselves, what did we do right. to cause this person to break into a pharmacy? Mm-hmm. Number one, we didn't have a 24-hour pharmacy open for that person to fulfill their need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were no hospitals open for that person to fulfill the need. So maybe we do have to make some changes too. That's mm-hmm. an excellent analogy. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and that is to, to say that uh, yes, uh, undocumented immigrants should apologize. There should be a proportionate penalty that they sh- they should pay. But also, we as a society has to have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to cause these people to migrate illegally? Mm-hmm. And what can we do to stop illegal immigration and give them a dignified life in their country of origin so they so they stay? Yes, yes, yes. Mm. So it's funny. What's now the process? Uh, to the, now, recently, I think they just suspended some. There was recently there was the the DACA Act was suspended, correct? Uh, it's suspended. Uh, not w- with a six month with right. a six month yeah. uh, period. So mm-hmm. so six month extensions. Well, it's it's. Uh, I think the 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 right way to say it is that uh, DACA has been rescinded effective six months from now. Right. right. But he, Trump, President Trump talked with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and they're trying to work out a deal mm. to reinstate it, right? Right, right. That's mm. the last I read. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for, for people who don't know what DACA is, I'd like to explain it really yeah. quickly. Yes, right. please. Right, please DACA is not a law. DACA was an, like a program. It's an executive order mm-hmm. that President Obama signed. Mm-hmm. Congress was not involved, so it's not a law. And what DACA is, is a suspension of deportation proceedings indefinitely. That's Mm. all it is. Mm. It doesn't give you status. You're not here legally. And you have to pay for it, correct? And you have to pay $500 every so often to renew it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, all it gives you is that you are in a list of people that have to be deported but the government is choosing not to deport you. That's all DACA is. Mm-hmm. People, and you're registered. You're and registered. you're registered. So now the government knows where you are. Right. So <laughs> So there's a vulnerability to it for and, those who registered. And, and I think that DACA uh, youth should not and cannot be in that position indefinitely. Mm-hmm. You cannot be in a deportation list all your life. Right. And um, if... Particularly if you come upon, you, let's say you have a traffic incident and you come across the wrong law enforcement officer, the wrong anyone or, or judge, yeah. then they could that could be used against you to ship right. you right back to where... Right. They take the DACA away from. and they ship you out. So even with under President Obama, was there a path to citizenship for DACA? No. No. And there still is no path for citizenship. There's still no path. To, there's uh, Even before we talk about citizenship, there is no path to be here legally mm. with DACA, hmm. not even as a legal resident. So that's an important policy push, correct? 
Yeah, and, and I think that if DACA is rescinded and it is and it becomes effective six, six months after uh, President Trump signed it, and Congress does what they have to do, which is to pass a law to give these kids the legal permanent residence and then be able to become citizens, I think that's the right way to do it. I also wanted to speak on, and I cannot think of his name. I'm so, and if I think you can uh, uh, Google it right quick. It was the founder of uh, Bank of America. He came here as an Italian immigrant. And I, I want to speak on his story based on um, what you shared, Dax, about us only admitting the best and the brightest. When he came here, he wasn't the best or the brightest. In fact, he struggled. Uh, I think he worked as a farmer. I, I read his story. It just really moved and Amad, touched me. Amadio Gianni. Yes, yes. Gianni, and um, he started uh, the the Bank of America, and it wasn't even called that. I think it was the Bank of Italy at first. Okay. And he started that because he was sensing discrimination with the other banks. Because this was like around 1928 or something. It was very early. Very early. And... Uh, he started it to give working class people loans to buy homes. And mm. then, of course, it became the, you know, <laughs> Bank of America, <laughs> Bank of America, which we know is on every corner. But sometimes people come here and become the best and the brightest. Um, Evan and I were talking about um, a characteristic he loves, which is grit. And a lot of uh, immigrants come here with grit and with a desire to build and be more. And we should open ourselves to that. Let them come here and flourish because there's so many more stories of immigrants who came and built something versus come here and do nothing. Because I don't think you leave your country running to another country to do nothing. And it's funny because statistics kind of show that uh, in terms of like, especially when they're trying to criminalize Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, immigrants. The, particularly first generation, you as far as crime, you they'd say pretty much under the radar. They're just here focused and doing what they have to do, just like your parents and my parents. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that goes back to what we talked about earlier, just the value of, of those who come here. Yes, and, and, yes. And they're coming from a situation, even now, I talked to Erin about this one time. My family's from Jamaica. I was there uh, recently for a family thing in the Portland area where my mother grew up, which is a country, Jamaica's having a big problem in terms of, like, in those remote areas, you, can, you don't even have an ambulance service. Wow. You know? Yeah. I mean, you don't even have an ambulance service. People, you, if I was there, I probably, you know, wouldn't have, if I grew up there in the country, I probably wouldn't even have teeth in my mouth. Mm-hmm. You know? You don't have those very basic things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're a construction worker, for example, in Jamaica, you know, what construction workers make here <laughs> is, like, is like gold. Mm-hmm. You know, you may make, I don't know, maybe let's say $5 an hour in American money mm-hmm. doing construction work in Jamaica where you can come here and make $25 an hour, $30 mm-hmm. an hour if you're in the union. Mm-hmm. You know, and, th- and that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. But, but, but you know what? Uh, 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 let's go back to the, the argument that I was making about uh, what middle class and lower middle class Americans have in common with undocumented immigrants. Mm-hmm. If, if American, if people in unions, if the unions of the United States were to be in solidarity with the unions in Mexico, in wow. Guatemala, in Honduras, wow. mm-hmm. and say, wait a minute, we're both being exploited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are going to work with you mm-hmm. so you don't have to come. 
so that we don't have to be upset about you have now, uh, uh, you being here. That's mm-hmm. where change can really happen. Yes. You just mm-hmm. that is where because then the unions would be helping the workers here and like you say helping and over them. There. Yes. So and, and I hope someone can... listens to this and does that. Unions out there. <laughs> why, don't, why don't union representatives from the United States who don't want illegal immigrants in the United States mm-hmm. taking their jobs from their the, workers, from their workers mm-hmm. travel to Mexico, meet with unions over there and say, we're going to help you fight the corruption in your country. Mm-hmm. We're going to help you fight the abuse in your country so you get a better standard of living so you don't have to migrate. And we're both happy. Mm-hmm. Let, let me say mm-hmm. something to that. And this is this is going to be this is just a thought. What I found and that that sounds fantastic, but what I found is one of the big obstacles when you get outside of the United States and maybe Canada, or maybe some of these these Western countries, and you go into let's say Jamaica. And, and I was talking to my cousin who runs a company in Jamaica, he's just a CEO in Jamaica. It's sort of you get in sort of corporate governance and sort of the the legalities there, and 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 when you get a, when you get past the U.S., it gets a little bit gray. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, right. So, so, right. So, nice so, way to right. put it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a really gray, gray. And, and it's a totally different way of doing business, so to speak. And it could be very dangerous, you know. But, and so, so how, how do would they address that? Especially when you're talking about unions and dealing with the wealthy here. The wealthy here in the United States, oh, they probably, oh, they probably can get away with, with, with committing crimes. Mm-hmm. You know, in those countries, for sure, they'll get away. Right. But but the way to do it, I think, is for people who are upset about illegal immigrants mm-hmm. to work, like I said, with the people in their countries of origin and then work with their government officials here in the United States. Because mm-hmm. we, for example, pay many of those countries militaries. Mm. We, we send a lot of money to these countries uh, for their armies mm-hmm. to exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to press our senators, our congresspeople, the people who approve that money to go back to those countries and say, hold the money mm. until the corruption is over. Do mm. something about the corruption in that country. Mm-hmm. We're going to help the people over there so they don't have to migrate. You work with the government and we, everybody's going to be happy. We're all going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, and there, like Evan said, there are going to be some countries who don't want to work with us, but there are going to be some countries who do. Mm-hmm. And when they start seeing the results of the countries who do, then more people, because people want their own self-interest. If, if something's going to work out for them, they're more inclined to do it. So if people see other countries working with America to help workers everywhere, then more countries will be more inclined to join in, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Totally agree. Hey, you know, I just wanted to go through just one thing I think I want to talk about um, before we close out, because this has been great so far. Um, just as far as the narrative, sometimes uh, we've talked a lot about uh, a lot of undocumented un- uh, immigrants and undocumented and illegal. And the, nar- the narrative out there tends to make it seem like they're mostly Latino. They're mostly Correct. Mexican. Correct. Mostly right. Central American. Correct. You know, and that's not true. Right. You know, that's, and, and, that's right. And, and also, not only is it not true, most of the undocumented uh, uh, here, um, this was as in 2012, I think this, this was done, 40 50% of the undocumented immigrants are visa overstayers, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then you find that 
uh, a lot of them come from our northern neighbors, you know, and I love Canadians. <laughs> my Me family, too. They're I'm, so nice. They're, they're so cool. My fa- fa- Canadian family. Mm-hmm. I was up there in, in fact, in fact, if I had to pick one city in the Western Hemisphere that wasn't New York and that wasn't in the United States, I Toronto. could go live and be Toronto. Yeah, mm-hmm. most yeah, people so, say that. But mm-hmm. so I'm looking at that, you know, Toronto, Canada has about 36 million people. Uh, they have about, as far as overstays, and, and that's still illegal if we're talking about undocumented. Right. 93,000 plus Canadians. Mm-hmm. Mexico has 127 million people. They they have about, they have a less than half of that, about half that really. No, less than half of that. And 42 million who are here as far as undocumented overstays. 42,000. Right? 42, I'm sorry, 42,000. Yeah, so I was going to say, wait. 42,000. <laughs> 42, <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, you, then you got Brazil, then you have Germany, you know, who has a bunch of overstays. But the, the narrative out there in the public space is 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 heavily focused on Hispanics, mm-hmm. which is not true. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um Actually, oh. I think the largest number of overstay the these people who have let their visa expire and still stayed in this country uh are Europeans. Are actually Asian. Mm. Oh. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well let let me say this. Um Back oh, in, let me say one more thing. Yeah, yeah, Hold that ahead. thought. Yeah. Also, there was a, a Gallup poll done. Uh, it's funny because you'll see during the, the election time mm-hmm. uh, that immigration is a big thing and people are, 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 are waving their fists in the air about mm-hmm. immigrants and people mm-hmm. coming here. Mm-hmm. And apparently, according to this a Gallup poll that was done, only 8% of the voters really cared about immigration mm-hmm. as an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. But yet it seems, it seems that much bigger when you're watching television. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's it's bigger than it is. It's like, like everybody. Well, I mean, yeah. Trump started his campaign on building a wall. Well, and but, but that issue, but there was an issue with immigration way before that, though. Absolutely, immigration Definitely. has always been an issue. Trump's, we'll Trump, Trump's solution about a wall is a little bit absurd. No, and and that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. absurd based on the facts. Right. The facts that people who are here illegally are mostly people who have let their visa expire, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with a wall, which will not be solved by a wall. And the most people who come here illegally came on a plane. Mm-hmm. So, again, <laughs> right. the wall is ineffective and will just cost taxpayers undue money. Do you see that happening, by the way? I yeah, know we threw uh, a lot at you just now. Do no, you no, see no, that's a wall fine. actually happening? I don't see that happening, unless I'm that naive. Well... I think you might be that night <laughs> because he is, he's he's preparing to build it. I mean, yeah. he's already I have a cousin who works for a construction company in Georgia and his company has been um, contacted by the Trump administration to go out and put a bid on building the wall. So they're moving forward. And a lot of the things that a lot of the cuts that he's making that seem sort of argue, you know, just kind of out of nowhere have been him securing money to build that wall. So Got it. Hmm. And then if we put the biblical spin on that, I don't know anything, you know, about a I, wall. I did a, <laughs> I did a little research about the wall. Okay. And about the money that is being spent in border patrol. Mm-hmm in uh, protecting the U.S.-Mexico border and mm-hmm. stopping illegal immigration, which hasn't worked. And let me say this. We already have a wall. And we already have a wall. We already yes. have a wall That's on right. the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, my research led me to find out that— This is going to be good. You're smiling. So. I'm, I'm smiling. I'm <laughs> smiling. Be good. People are going to be amazed about this fact. Okay. We have spent 
three times as much money in the wall and border patrol and in uh, immigration officials in the U.S.-Mexico border than what the U.S. spent in repairing Europe after World War II and providing jobs for Europeans so they didn't have to migrate anymore. Hmm. Wow. Three times as much in today's dollars. Hmm. Wow. In other words, the Marshall Plan is what they called it mm-hmm. after World War II. Uh, rebuilt Europe, put their economies to work, employed everybody, and mass migration from Europe is a thing of history books anymore. Mm. We, we, don't, we don't see it in the newspapers. Mm. People from Europe do not migrate en masse mm. to the United States anymore because of the money that we invested in them which we got paid back mm-hmm. with interest. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent point. And <laughs> excellent why won't point. we do that same thing? Why in don't Mexico? we do that same thing? Why are we building a wall? Well, it's, because it's racialized. Because it's racialized. I was yes. just about to say that. We kind of know it's, it's racialized at this point. Do people in Mexico, Guatemala, Salvador, Honduras do not deserve mm-hmm. the same treatment that we gave Europeans when we invested in their Wow. In their countries. And then, in fact, it just would be smarter. Like you said, it would it would cut down illegal immigration and we would get it back in interest. Right. Right. Instead of doing something that is yeah. completely unchristlike and divisive and racial and ridiculous, like building a wall. But it's the same thing that the Nixon administration did with African-Americans in the United States. They and this is this is public. You can read mm-hmm. it in Times Magazine. I know ab- exactly what you're about to okay. say. Go on. They uh, paired African Americans with drugs, mm-hmm. so that when you think about African Americans, mm-hmm. oh, drugs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about Latinos, oh, illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's racialized. Well, we're here to change the narrative, and I, I thank you for that, Dak. We're here to change that. Yeah. And as many people who will listen, <laughs> it's immoral. Yeah, it's very it, immoral. It's, it's ungodly. Immoral. No, it's so ungodly. It's immoral. Let me give you a stronger term. It's a, which immoral is strong, ungodly is strong, but a lot of people don't say to call things demonic. That yeah, are demonic. it is. It is and demonic. I think, I think it's demonic. And I think mm-hmm. when people hear that, it shakes them. Oh, you know, but I'm a good person. No. You know, if you're not, if you're, if you're not thinking about those things, especially if you're not ignorant of them, if, mm-hmm. you, if you are aware of things going on that, and your finger's on the trigger, so to speak, and you just ignore it or you just don't care because it doesn't affect you, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is not only moral, uh, ungodly, but it's demonic as well. You I get, think you got, you got to help when it comes to demonic, there's a demonic agenda. Agenda behind there's it. There's right? an agenda. And that people, word, I and, and I don't think uh, as many people. Those situations. Yeah, but I don't think that many people are aware. I think a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast and find mm-hmm. out a lot of information, thanks to Dax, that they did not, know. did not know. But I absolutely understand that it is demonic. Of course, the enemy of God has uh, more fun keeping us apart and ignorant and angry and hate-filled than he does when the people of God come together mm-hmm. and recognizes each other's strengths and helps each other's community. Like you said, if we had a community-based thought system versus one that just depended on our own self-interest. And, and you know what, Aaron, to go back to some of the stats that uh, we were talking about a few minutes ago, uh, the Pew Research, if you go to the Pew Research website and you punch in immigration and you start reading all the stats, they found out that about half of the illegal immigrants in the United States are not Latino. Mm. They're Europeans. Europeans. <laughs> 
think I saw that. I thought I saw that stat somewhere. Mm-hmm. I thought that st- I saw that stat. They're Canadians. Yeah. Uh, they're Chinese. Mm-hmm. They are South Koreans. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article in the yeah. uh, Los Angeles Times mm-hmm. not that long ago because there the is a big show. movement mm-hmm. in California about DACA, pro, pro DACA, in the South Korean community in Los Angeles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we have about a quarter of a million illegal, undocumented Koreans in the U.S. Wow. I saw, an, and I love the new show Vice that airs on HBO, but they did a whole show on immigration, and they talked about how people who were here illegally were because they let their visas expire, and in fact that they were Asian in, in majority, mm-hmm. and then, like you say, European and other mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but that um, mm-hmm. our cultural bigotry mm-hmm. has put a face, a brown face to this versus the truth, and right. Right. I, I don't understand who benefits from that. Well, I do, but I don't understand why. We don't all understand. Half a million Europeans are here in the United States illegally, mm-hmm. and guess what? They don't even have to have a visa to come to the U.S. Wow. They just show their passport at the airport, and they're in. Right. Like we Americans go to Europe. Right, we don't, to visit. Uh, we, yeah. don't, we don't go mm-hmm. to the embassy mm-hmm. of uh, the I- Italy to ask for a visa so we can travel to Italy. Right. We just take the airplane and go and mm-hmm. show our passport. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it mm-hmm. from Europe and from Canada to the U.S. And at the border or at the airport, they're sealed. They're, uh, they're given a six-month uh, permission to stay in the U.S., mm-hmm. and many of them don't go back. Mm-hmm. There's about 100,000 Canadians in the U.S. who are here illegally because they came over, they were given a six-month uh, visa to stay, and they never went back to Canada. But you don't see these uh, no, statistics that. portrayed as illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what would happen to a Canadian who is here, whose visa expired, if they were pulled over for a traffic violation? They're not even asked because they speak English. Oh, wow. They're, they make wow. they, they they blend wow. in within uh-huh. the white community. Uh-huh. Uh, Europeans blend in within the uh, Irish. But when they look up there, if a cop says, "Okay, I have to look up your ID," say someone was caught speeding, and they, you know, you have to give the cop. Do, do then would they be deported, or what would happen? I mean, well, they, they would have to show a driver's license. Okay. And if you if you speak English and you p- pass so you, the they, accent uh, okay, test. Okay, so then you, there's no check to see if this person is. No, they is don't it. check them. Oh, okay. You're just given a mm-hmm. ticket mm-hmm. for driving without a driver's license. Wow. Okay. If you're brown, mm-hmm. then they check your status. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and let me, let me uh, add this to... Uh, our African-American audience as well. Mm-hmm. I have uh, friends who are pastors of African-American churches who initially were against helping uh, undocumented immigrants in Connecticut, especially, get a driver's license because they're here illegally. Mm-hmm. Until some of their members came over and said, I want you to support it. And they said, why? Because I'm here undocumented. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Aren't you African American? No, I'm not African American. I'm from Jamaica. Right. Mm. I'm from the Caribbean. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just blend in mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. the African American community. Wow. And when I get pulled over, they don't ask me for my papers mm-hmm. because I'm black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they think he's African American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a, a you know a number of undocumented immigrants from the Caribbean who are black who are worshiping in African American churches. Mm-hmm who we also want to help and find out why they came. Right, right. Wow. That's an excellent point. 
Uh, this is great. Yeah. Well, Dax, man, uh, we're probably going to have to stop here. <laughs> well, we said we we're going to have to do a couple of episodes well, to gonna, get this right, gonna, so you're going to have to come back. A few more. You're going to have to come back, man. Yeah. And uh, you know, but it's a uh, this is uh, this is a, a great time. Uh, just just kind of understanding a lot more of the issues that we didn't understand before. We're hoping uh, some of the viewers out there are are, are, are inspired to, to, to act. And we'll, we'll be right back. Um, we're going to do an Amen Corner on the topic of immigration and leave our final thoughts. But thank you again, Dax, for being here. We're going to have you back. We're going to keep talking about immigration. And we're going to keep talking about it until people get tired of it. And some things have gotten done. Uh, things get done. Absolutely. Um, say that again. We're going to keep talking about it till people get tired of it and things get done. You put Thank out you some again. great solutions and we appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you, Evan. Thank, Thank you, you, Evan, for Thank having you. me. Welcome to the Amen Corner. Reading from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, starting in verse 13. It reads, All these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. If we are people of faith, then we are strangers by design, or at least our walk of faith is one of a stranger by design. In fact, if we look at this text in book of Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews, clearly encourages and then applauds Christians for taking on the mindset of a stranger while along their journey of faith. In fact, whether they embrace the perspective of the foreigner or not, it remains a reality of their faith and subsequently an essential element of their ongoing relationship with the God of the Bible. It evokes a divine pride per se as Hebrews points out, so that when believers see life on earth in this way, when they see life as a sojourner or a stranger would see it, then God is not ashamed to be called their God. So even though the expectation to view oneself as a foreigner in one's life and spiritual journey is not a requirement for secular society or for any secular belief systems per se, it is definitely an expectation for the people of faith who follow the God of the Bible. Since living from the perspective of the foreigner is an honorable expectation for the individual life of the Christian, then how should it be lived out in relation to secular society or society when it comes to working for the common good, especially as it pertains to the immigrant? realities behind this inquiry should be examined in the policy arena when it comes to how the quote-unquote native government is to treat their immigrant population whether this population is documented or not if the nation in question is the united states of america 
were the tenets of unity and diversity, or e pluribus unum, and trusting God are promoted as being part of the fabric of the nation as expressed in our mottos, then it is the job of the uh, people of God to promote and work for a shalom or a holistic peace as it relates to the issue of the foreigner. Since we are obligated to own the perspective of one who is a foreigner or a stranger, our job as Americans is to hold our nation accountable to its creeds when necessary to do so. See you later on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to The Other Side. Join me on the journey at AaronSands.com or you can follow me on social media at Aaron L. Sands. You can follow me on Instagram at Evan the Conqueror or on Twitter at Evan D. Park. Thanks again. See you soon on the other side. The views expressed on the other side are those of the hosts and the guests and do not represent the views of Yale University.